Tonight, we welcome back award-winning crime novelist and Detection Club president, Martin Edwards. We have a really fun conversation. We talk about the golden age of detective fiction, about his own writing, about his new novels, but all kinds of interesting stuff. Here's Martin. Hi, Martin. Welcome back to the show. Well, thanks, Sherry. It's great to be talking with you again. Oh, it's great to be talking to you, too. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, very busy with various writing projects, so um, yeah, yeah, just uh, just l- looking for enough hours in the day to, to get everything written, really, but, uh, but that's, that's much better than, uh, than anything else when you're a writer. That's true. And yeah, I know, I, I've got all these things, and, and one that I'm working on for next year, and it's just like, how, mm-hmm. and, and I have my shows and everything, and yeah. I, it, like, one of the things that kind of went uh, I couldn't get done was I was going to write a play for the season for a radio oh. show and I just didn't have time <laughs> oh dear oh, what's the shame yeah so now I'm kind of like going to all my writer friends do you have a radio oh. play that we can use oh. <laughs> <laughs> I need one more for my season <laughs> you wouldn't happen to have a radio play that I could use <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm afraid no no I've, I've, I've only ever written one audio play and uh, uh, and that's not been released yet. I'm still waiting for that to come out. So, uh, so no, I can't help there. Uh, all right. Uh, I figure since you're here, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I've been asking everybody. Do you have a radio uh-huh. play? Um, but maybe next season. Yeah. If you want to, you know, want to <laughs> do like a, a radio play murder mystery thing next season. Our actors are really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Sounds sounds good. Um, how's everything over there? How's the weather and everything? It's absolutely terrible. I've spent this afternoon um, uh, on a thirty-minute journey uh, that took about two hours because of torrential rain and motorway closures. So it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty wet out there at the moment. I can tell you, but other parts of the UK are suffering more than we are here in the northwest of England, so uh, can't complain too much, really. Is it all rain, or is it snow, too? No, it's rain. It's rain. rain. It's just heavy rain, and in some parts of the south of England and the Channel Islands, there are are floods, apparently. Yeah, I understand. We get those, too. Torrential rains all Mm. over the place Mm. and flooding. Mm. Yep, yep. Unfortunately, it's part of the ecosystem. We can't do anything well, about it. That's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. And it's sort of like famous for England to have rain. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's just very intense at the moment. Uh, but, but we are used to rain, as you say. It's, uh, it's good for the gardens, but the gardens have had plenty of it. Uh, yeah, 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 they're getting flooded out, Mark. You know, you yeah, know, little yeah, bulbs yeah, don't know absolutely. what to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I went my one and only trip to Europe, and I went to England, was in February and March. 
And right. I was warned, you know, bring a lot of warm stuff, bring rain mm -hmm. gear and all that. Except for when I went to um, uh, Bath, Salisbury, mm -hmm. and... Um, my God, Stonehenge! I forgot Stonehenge for a minute. Um, it, it was it was beautiful. I, it was cold, right. but it was sunny, except when mm. I went there. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, the weather can be very good. It's just uh, uh, constantly variable, uh, so you never quite know what to expect. Uh, that's that's the thing, and you can get all four seasons in a single day. Uh, in England, that's that's part of its um, charm, uh, I suppose. <laughs> but, part of its uh, charm. Obviously, it's nicer when the weather's nice. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it was so funny. It was like, I mean, I did wear my coat. I had a like a. Uh, it was actually a London fog coat that I bought in California. Um, I, I wore my coat and I wore a sweater underneath. But mm. and then I was like getting really hot in the sweater, so I ended mm. up stuffing mm. the sweater into my purse. <laughs> <laughs> because it got hot. I mean, I still yeah, I wore yeah. the coat, but I took the sweater off. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. Uh, you guys don't call them sweaters. I forgot what you call them. Oh, sweaters or jerseys or jumpers, pullovers. Yeah, it was is. More of a pullover to hmm. the. Uh, I had a big bulky sweater too, but I hadn't put that on yet. I I was glad that I was. Um, I looked at the weather on the TV before I went to the Salisbury area, because yeah. it said rain today. And I said, Shoot! <laughs> but actually, kind of gave the um, the Stonehenge kind of a, a cool atmosphere. Oh yeah, I mean Stonehenge is a fantastic place, as you will know if you visited it. It's um, it's got this uh, this marvelous, uh, yeah, atmosphere going back to prehistory. So it's uh, it's a fantastic place to visit. Oh, it's beautiful, um, and it it was so interesting. I mean, I knew about the tells, and I knew about you know all the different things, um, but it was it was interesting to see it in person it was it was different yeah. than you picture it even different than when you look at the pictures when you see it in mm -hmm. person does that make sense yeah <laughs> yeah does that make yeah, sense because place. it's different when you look at the yeah. pictures oh uh, i think I, yeah i think i think being there is always a um, special experience and it is magical it is just yeah. it has yeah, this true. this i don't know charm i guess mm. that's different so you know, and if you're into reading about ancient England, it's it's a nice study mm. archaeology. It was like, mm. oh my mm. god, I'm here, and where there's really, yeah. really yeah. ancient, much more ancient than the California ancient. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, we we do have uh, some structures from the first people when they came to America before it was America. And there's mm -hmm. some beautiful structures, but I don't think it's as old as what's in England. Mm, no, no, probably not. Yeah. I guess. I mean, we don't have any buildings as old as you guys have. Mm. I mean, that's mm. just. I mean, not no. in no. the California area. No. <laughs> uh, there's some things that are old in New England, but mm. it just doesn't match going to England. It's so mm. cool there. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. All the Roman remains and everything like that are fantastic. Oh, I know. I was so excited to go in Bath and walk where the Romans walked and, and see the Roman coins and Roman jewelry and all that stuff that they have in the museum um, where the baths are. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because if you didn't know, I mean, everybody knows, but if you didn't know and you just saw the church, the church was cool enough that you would look at the church and like, oh, this was really neat and go on your way. You know, um, if you didn't know what was underneath, Mm. the church would have been cool enough to go and and sightsee. But with that, it's like, wow. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Bath's a terrific city. It is. I mean, with the Georgian stuff and... Uh, the circus and all those things. it's so cool <laughs> mm, mm, mm. well if if you've read Peter Lovesey's books uh, his series about um, Superintendent Peter Diamond uh, those are set in Bath mm-hmm. and uh, they're terrific books so, um, so if you don't know them or if your listeners don't know them I can strongly recommend them Peter Lovesey's a, a, a brilliant writer he's been writing for 50 years he's a grandmaster of the Mr. Right of America and the, the Bath books and the more than 20 of them uh, are very, very entertaining indeed. My information came really much older, Jane Austen. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yes. there was a I little love, bit... I love the there was a little bit of murder mysteries in Bath in uh, Agatha Christie, but uh, most of it was that I really give you a feeling of it was Jane Austen. Mm. I haven't heard of that author. Um, can you send me well, a link because I will add yeah, it to the information um, on the when I put up the sure, description. Sure, Peter Peter Lovesy is a terrific author. As I say, he's a he's a grandmaster of the Mystery Writers of America. So he's um, he's an internationally acclaimed author uh, who, as I say, has been writing for fifty years and is still writing, uh, and is well worth reading. Uh, not just the Bath books, but but everything he writes is uh, is terrific. I think. So is he fan. American or is he British? <clears throat> oh, he's British. He's British, living in America. No, no, but he's he's still a grandmaster of the Mr. Ice of America because oh, they recognised his uh, his uh, great great um, storytelling prowess. Ooh, well, they have taste. That's good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I know people get. By the way, you got an award here, didn't you? I have had a good year this year for awards. So yes, very uh, uh, very grateful, very happy about it. And you were here in San Diego. We didn't get to see yes. each other, but you were here. <laughs> yes, it, it was a it was a great trip, and there, there were a couple of awards and uh, about Chicon, the the World Mystery Convention, and uh, I got the chance to do a bit of sightseeing as well around the town, and went to La Jolla where Raymond Chandler used to live, which was uh, fascinating. So I saw the seals and the pelicans and everything. So um, so it was a great trip. So I was very impressed with San Diego. That's cool. I love La Jolla. That's really cool. But my favorite is Coronado. Did you get a chance to go over there? Uh, yes, briefly on the trolley bus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Coronado is so cool. Especially if you get to go to the Hotel Del Coronado, because that's just yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, we, we, we stopped outside, but I didn't go inside. So, so oh. I've, I've, got, I've got photos of it, but I didn't go inside, because time was short. 
I understand. I, I was in that kind of situation when I was in England. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's, you can never do everything. Just like you can never read every great book. That's right. You only have a certain amount of time for anything you're doing. Yeah. And yeah, I was right. only there for... I was only in England for, like... I was at the end of Jan uh, February, beginning of March, so it was like 11 days. I mean, I didn't really mm. have a lot of time. Mm. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this tour, this tour, this tour, because it's the only <laughs> way I could think of to see as much as I want to see. <laughs> but um, but I, I'm glad you enjoyed San Diego. That's cool. Oh, very, very much. It's fantastic. Uh, I was there for you know, just over a week, and I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's a really pretty... I th actually, our downtown is one of the prettiest downtowns. Mm, mm, it really is. Yes, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a very nice, very nice town. So, yeah, it's, it's right up at the top of my list of favorite places in the States now. Yay! Yay, champion! Yeah, I used to... San Francisco used to be my top, but when I moved here mm. and went to... Uh, downtown San Diego now and uh, now San Diego is my top mm. it's just mm. for the beauty mm. of it um, yeah because the downtown area is right by the ocean it's very clean mm. it's very mm. it's got these incredibly gorgeous buildings and it's just really cool <laughs> yeah yeah I, I very much agree yeah so yeah sorry and and I'm a Los Angelina but sorry LA your downtown <laughs> does not make it <laughs> And even though I love Los Angeles and it is my hometown, um, sorry. <laughs> There's other parts that's beautiful, but downtown isn't. <laughs> so, not my favorite place. Um, anyway, um, so I wanted to talk to you about something you're expert at, which is short stories. When was when did you discover short stories, and who was the first short story author that you remember reading? Oh, the the first short stories I remember reading were the Sherlock Holmes stories um, mm. when I was about eight, eight or nine, something like that. Uh, I was very very taken with them, and um, it was at the time when I was discovering Agatha Christie. Uh, I also read read uh, uh, many of her short stories as well at that at that tender age, and then uh, a year or two later, I I came across a book and I I saw it in a bookshop and I asked for it for a Christmas present, and it was uh, an anthology of short stories um, produced by the Crime Writers Association, uh, which I'd never heard of at that time. Cool. And, uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, that anthology um, but little dreamt at that age I was about oh probably about 12 years old something like that maybe maybe 13 um, 12 or 13 that uh, uh, many years later I would be asked to uh, edit the uh, Crime Writers Association anthology and I'm still doing that uh, 20 odd years later and um, it's it's great fun at the moment I'm sifting through stories for a new anthology so um, uh, uh, with many, many uh, stories submitted by members of the association, so it's um, it's a great pleasure and also a great privilege. But uh, quite amazing when I think back to that small boy reading that that collection issued by the uh, CWA all those years ago. I think it's really cool, I, and one of the really fun things is to get your hands 
on an anthology of mysteries that has all different writers. Um, yeah. A, a good mix. Um, yeah, exactly. I think my first one was actually a mix of American and British and, uh, short, uh, mystery writers. And I can't remember the name of the book. Somewhere in the apartment, but I have no idea where. Oh. <laughs> I I, I kind of went on a binge and started changing all my bookshelves. Uh, <laughs> but um, but it was really it's really was cool. And I think I got that when I was about the same age, maybe a little younger, maybe around eleven. And because um, I was already a, a, a mystery reader, I, I read Sherlock mm. Holmes, I read Agatha Christie, I read Ellery Queen. Um, mm. I loved all of those books. And mm. I think it was like I, the first time I saw it was in the library and I checked it out, but you only allowed it like two weeks. So mm. when the holidays came, uh, I asked for it and they didn't get it, and so I kind of hinted around my birthday, and I got it on my birthday. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> you know, how kids do. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, you got yours at uh, birthday time, and I got mine at Christmas time, so yep. um, yeah, quite similar. Yep. Well, I, kids are always like that. I mean, that's why they know to put, like, toys on the holiday period on television mm. because they're going to want, the, the kids are going to mm. want whatever mm. toys mm. they're showing, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we see something we want, you're going to hit it to your mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was always, uh, I was a good hinter. <laughs> um, but... Okay, this is going to be a really silly question. Which of the first, like you said, Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie, which one of the first of those stories really got your juices going? That made you even, yeah, maybe made you think about writing. I don't even know if that was something you were thinking that young. But yes, 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 it was, and and the 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 story that. I liked best. I still think it's one of the great uh, uh, detective short stories. It was a Sherlock Holmes story, and it was the the adventure of the Red Headed League. Oh yeah! And I think that's an absolutely brilliant uh, short story because it's it's got some wonderful deductions. It's got some great lines in it, uh, and it's got a an absolutely baffling problem. You know, why why would this man with red hair be recruited to copy out uh, passages from the Encyclopedia Britannica I think that's um, that's a fascinating premise uh, and um, to this day uh, I, it remains one of my fa- absolute favourites and I, yeah I, I think it's right up there amongst the best uh, mystery short stories ever written it was kind of sneaky the, <laughs> the clues were really sneaky it, it wasn't it was there. I mean, of course, he was fair when he wrote his short stories. Uh, it was like, but it wasn't as easy to pluck out the clues as some of the other Sherlock Holmes stories. At least that's the way I felt. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we have to remember that when Arthur Conan Doyle was writing, um, the the idea 
idea of the detective story wasn't quite so much about a game with the, the reader. So with Agatha Christie and the writers of the Golden Age, you have the idea of the game, and you're given all the clues, generally in a novel rather than a short story, uh, and there's room for the clues and room to hide them and to misdirect the reader's attention. I think in a short story, that is much more difficult and it's much more difficult for a writer to set a, a fair play puzzle uh, in a short story than it is in a full length novel simply because of the uh, limited amount of space available yeah. and so I think that the appeal of the Sherlock Holmes stories for me is of course it's the character uh, of course it's the writing and some of the great lines uh, some of the brilliant character names things like that and it's also the the atmosphere, the uh, uh, the sense of the bizarre and the grotesque and the mysterious, um, whether it's in the Red-Headed League or some of the other great stories like The Copper Beaches or The Speckled Band. My favourite is Scandal in Bohemia. Ah, yes. Well, of course, that was the very first one, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, a very famous story, the one. Irene, is, uh, Adler. Irene Adler. Yeah, I mean, how can you not love Irene Adler? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the great characters only appears in one short story. I know, I always thought that was a shame. That I always thought that was a shame. I thought, why couldn't he have put it in return? You know, why couldn't he have brought it back? Because yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. such a cool yeah. character. Yeah, she is. She is a great character. Um, yeah, she's my favorite of the guest characters that he, mm. that he had. Because she was... Mm. Uh, most of the women... Well, there were some very strong women, but most of the women weren't as clever as Irene, and I would have loved to have seen another character like her, mm-hmm. or at least bring her back. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She is a great character, and he, um, he, he, he did um, some some of it. Um, Moriarty is another example, I think, of of a character who hardly hardly ever appears, but is still very memorable. That, that's quite a remarkable achievement, I think, to create a character in a short story who, who only has a few pages ever, um, whether it's Irene Adler or Professor Moriarty, and yet still remembered vividly and with admiration to this day. Yeah, Moriarty was interesting. He was not... He wasn't there a lot. He was referred to. Mm. At, yeah, he, exactly. I yeah. mean, you can understand why later things like um, the ten percent solution and stuff like that had him as a like a, a go um, a, a figment of uh, Sherlock Holmes' uh, cocaine imagination because mm. he was yeah. so rarely mentioned, mm. and he didn't make any yeah. appearances. I mean, he made one, the big one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the fight yeah. at the falls. I mean that was about it, really. Mm. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, but yeah, because because uh, it, it, he's such a specter, and mm. and he he is through a lot of the the stories he's referred to, mm. but you mm. never meet him until the mm. big fight. Yeah, that's right. So it's just kind of. Um, Amazing that he's so well known. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great tribute to Conan Doyle's uh, skill at characterisation and how vividly he conjures up characters. And the same, the same is true of Irene Adler, as, as you were saying, Sherry. Uh, I think that's a, that's a remarkable gift, and it's it is a key reason, one of the key reasons why um, why the Sherlock Holmes stories have lasted so well. 
Yeah, yeah, he's great at characterization. That's one thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I I try to point out to people who are new to Sherlock Holmes, I, you know, I know you've seen the movies and stuff, and they some of them have him as doddering old man, and others have him as like um ha- like a neurotic, but if you really read the book, uh, he couldn't have been any of that. Because he's writing all these stories for Holmes. So he had to have some sense of reality. <laughs> and he had to have two feet on the ground. And he was he was about the same age as Holmes in the stories. Yeah, of course, the, the stories are written over quite a long period. So, um, so Conan Doyle ages, but uh, Sherlock doesn't age at quite the same rate as, uh, as, as his creator. Well, yeah. And, of course, you know, like Agatha Christie, uh, Perot and Miss Marple barely mm. aged at all. I mean, really. Absolutely, yeah. If yeah. they did, they'd be, like, 200 years old. Uh, well, well exactly, exactly so. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think there was a, uh, when the last Poirot book appeared, I think there was an obituary, a famous obituary in the mm-hmm. New York Times saying he's, he's, like, 110 or 113 or something like that. So, um, yes, he, he had a, uh, like Sherlock, and like Miss Marple, an extraordinarily lengthy career. He did. He did. I mean, he was he was in the turn up to the twentieth century. That's where he started, and he ended almost at the end of the twentieth century. I mean, you think about that. The guy had to be really old because he was yeah, in retirement exactly. yeah. when he came to Britain. Exactly. Yeah. 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 In the First World War. Yeah. So it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, artistic license. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. Uh, I have a question for you as a fan of um, mysteries and um, Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the adaption of the, mo- the latest movies? The Kenneth Branagh movies. Yeah. Um, I've I've seen I've seen the first one, Murder on the Orient Express, which which didn't appeal to me as much as the uh, 1970s film. Uh, I've not seen Death on the Nile, and I've not seen the new one, which is uh, called A Haunting in Venice, and it's based on uh, the book uh, uh, Halloween Party, which isn't one of the best books. So it may be that that film. Uh, because it, it's not based on one of the better books, is is, is actually uh, uh, a, a good idea. But but as I say, I haven't seen it myself. Well, uh, I saw both Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile, and Murder was alright. Murder on the Orient Express was okay. I mean, it helped that it had Judy Dench, um, <laughs> because I love Judy Dench. So for me, that helped yeah, a lot. Great actress. Um, but Death on the Nile really disappointed me, so I'm kind of like right. giving this one because basically from the reviews and what I've heard from my friends, basically it uses the names of the people, mm. It's and that's about it. <laughs> right, right, right. And I have no interest right. in that. 
No, well, it's clearly much changed if the setting's been moved to Venice rather than uh, rather than London. So, uh, yes, I'm, I've not been uh, uh, sufficiently tempted to watch it as yet. It's strange because he's a great actor and he he mm. wrote Belfast, which was a great movie. I mean, nothing mm, away from yeah. his talent. Yes, I've seen I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yes, uh, I I agree. But I just I don't know. He's got blinders on when it comes to Perot. I don't or something. I don't know. Because like you said, the Albert Finney version was brilliant. I mm, you cannot take away from that movie. I mean, even Agatha yeah. liked it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I, I think she certainly thought it was by far the best of the films of her books. I mean, she time. did see some flaws with Albert Finney's performance. That gives it a little bolster, right? If the writer likes it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, ab- oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm right in saying that the director was the father of a, um, a British crime writer, Jason Goodwin. The director was Sidney Lumet. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, well, Jason, Jason's father was involved, and maybe he was a producer. Um, I think he was the producer. Uh, he was. I think he was right, the producer. Right, right, right. Because I yeah. saw a behind-the-scenes thing recently. All oh, right. And I think he is the um, the one who discovered. You know, at the beginning when there's all the vegetables and fruit and. Lobsters and all the stuff that 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 they're checking that's going on the train. Well, they got real food, and they put it in right. a special storing locker. In uh, they were in a um, a studio in Paris, and they put in a special storage I... locker that was supposed to keep it safe. The night right. before that scene was to be shot. I, I don't remember somebody went to check on it make sure the food was good not, nothing got to it and everything was okay it was all gone everything right right so he had to reorder oh they had to go around to <laughs> every place in the middle of the night trying to get all of that stuff for that big scene wow. isn't that interesting wow and I think it he was the is. one yeah. I think good one is the name of the producer who told that story Goodwin, yeah, yes, that, that, that's right. I mean, you are right about... So, yes, Richard Goodwin, that, that, that was it. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I thought that the whole thing about behind the scenes was fascinating. Um, right. Uh, did you ever see it? I've not seen the documentary, no. no. Oh, it's really interesting. And, well, I'll um, look out for it. Sidney Lumet was... <laughs> he goes... How did they? They asked, "How did you cast it?" He goes, "Well, what I did when we we discussed it and we decided we want as many big names as we could get." Mm. And so he said that the biggest name at that time was Sean Connery because he just did his first James Bond. So mm. they asked Sean first. Sean said yes because he and Sydney had done a couple movies together, and. Right. <clears throat> And so, everybody else that they asked, they said, oh, Sean Connery's starring in it. So everybody <laughs> said yes. Anyway, I think that it's a great movie. Um, what I was going to ask you, um, now, we were talking earlier about your first um, 
if experience with short stories. But my next question is, how did you go from writing stories and and reading uh, short stories to editing? Where did did that come naturally, or did that was it? How did it come about? Well, um, it came about quite early in my career. Um, and, and the background was this. I'd, I'd written a small number of short stories. I'd written uh, a couple of novels, my first series uh, set in Liverpool with a character called Harry Devlin. And I started writing short stories about that character. And I uh, uh, was a member of the Crime Writers Association, which I've, I've mentioned. And the Crime Writers Association had a northern uh, group or chapter, and the Northern chapter was founded shortly after I I became a member of the Crime Writers Association. So I went to the very first meeting, and the it, it was a small group, but it, it grew and grew and, and became quite a significant group. And there were many wonderful people and many wonderful writers in in that group. What one of them is. Uh, uh, is probably my oldest friend nowadays in, in crime writing, uh, and a, a very famous name, Anne Cleves, who oh, yeah. writes Vera and Shetland. And she and I met through the uh, the CWA and the Northern Chapter in particular. And um, we, uh, we we were uh, quite keen to uh, promote our work. And because I was interested in short stories and anthologies, I suggested to the uh, northern writers that um, we should do an anthology and in those days the the, the biggest names there's a writer called Reginald Hill who uh, was a brilliant writer uh, one of the best uh, of the last 50 years from Britain in, in my opinion and his most famous series was D.L. and Pasco which was a, a long running television series and there's another writer called Robert Barnard who was uh, uh, another uh, major writer and also very, very popular in the States. And there was a third uh, writer, the man who set the group up, called Peter Walker. And he, he wrote the books that became Heartbeat, which is a massive television series in this country. So we had some very um, high-profile uh, members, and they were all keen on the idea of a short story anthology, but they didn't want to put it together themselves. They were busy, so they asked me if I would do it, and so that's that's how it all began. And um, I produced this book called Northern Blood, with stories by Reg Hill and Dan Cleves and uh, uh, Robert Barnard, uh, and so on. And it did it did pretty well, and we were happy with it. I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed reading the uh, short stories by my friends, and colleagues, and so. Um, one thing led to another and I, I was asked to help out with one or two other anthologies and then in ooh, 1995 which is still pretty early in my career the Crime Writers Association which had been publishing its annual anthology since the mid-1950s uh, the very early days of the CWA um, the editors at that time one of whom was Peter Lovesy, whom I mentioned before. They, they'd they'd uh, finished their stint as editors. And so the Crime Rights Association approached me and asked me if I would be willing to edit the, the national anthology. 
So uh, I agreed to that. I was very flattered to be asked because I, I was a very uh, inexperienced writer, really, at that point. And uh, the first book came out in 1996, and that was an anthology called Perfectly Criminal. And it had in it, uh, amongst other good stories, a story by a young writer I was friendly with, whom I greatly admired, called Ian Rankin. And Ian wrote a story for that book called Herbert in Motion, which actually went on to win the short story Dagger. And then the following year, uh, one of his Rebus novels uh, won the Gold Dagger. And uh, from that moment on, of course, he became a superstar, and he still is. So it was very exciting for me to see uh, uh, someone who who I thought was a great writer um, produce a, a short story that, that became very successful like that and then went on to even greater things. So that kind of very positive experience was very motivating for me. And um, I've, I've just carried on editing anthologies uh, as well as writing my own novels and short stories uh, mm. since then. And um, uh, recently my 50th uh, short story anthology as an editor was published. I've also done one on true crime, uh, but 50 now of, uh, of fiction and uh, uh, several more in the works. So it's something I've um, spent a lot of time on and I, I still enjoy it enormously. Um, I'm reading Murder by the Book that you do for the oh, yes, British yeah, Library yeah, Crime Classic. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do both. You do uh, novels and anthologies for that. How yeah. did that come about? Is that did that come from the other one? Did they did they mate or something? <laughs> what What happened was that um, in 2013, I, I by chance I had a cup of coffee with a, uh, an editor at the British Library, and he invited me to write a couple of introductions for classic novels, golden age uh, novels, but pretty obscure. Uh, mysteries that they were going to uh, republish and those novels were written by a writer called John Bude, the books that had been published in the 1930s and then disappeared from sight the first one was called The Cornish Coast Murder and the second one was called The Lake District Murder and so I wrote those introductions and thought no more about it but in fact the books did extraordinarily well because they had these very attractive vintage railway poster uh, colourful covers and the bookshops really loved them and so they sold in large numbers so I was asked to uh, write more introductions and then I was asked for ideas about authors and, and, and so I became the consultant uh, to the series and then at, uh, at, at a fairly early point I suggested to uh, Rob Davis at the British Library that it might be an idea to publish an anthology of short stories because as we've been saying I'm very keen on short stories and he thought that was a good idea so he asked me to do a couple um, and um, and those those books did well, much better than short story anthologies generally tend to do in fact so now we're we're over 20 anthologies, which is which is quite amazing in the crime classics series. And uh, uh, typically we do two a year. Uh, and I'm, I'm working on another one at the moment for next year, which will be called 
lessons in crime and that will be stories about education school college university well, that so like fun. connected with education in some way so so it's sort of academic mysteries if, if you like so so each of the british library books and in fact each of the anthologies i've edited has some sort of connecting theme so they're not just a set of disparate unconnected short stories uh, and the theme uh, for that uh, uh, for that book will, as I say, be academic mysteries uh, of one kind or another. That's cool. That's really cool. God, I look yeah. forward to that. I'm enjoying Murder yeah. by the Book. And some of the authors, Good. of course, I know, and some I've never read before, so I'm really enjoying yeah. it. <laughs> yes, well, that, that's that's the idea, to, to have some well-known names uh, so readers know that uh, 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 perhaps one of their favourite authors may be represented, but also to use the anthology to introduce them to unfamiliar names and, and discover new writers. So that's always been important to me as an editor, uh, and I think it's uh, it's one of the great attractions of an anthology of short stories. You know, you come across something by somebody you'd never heard of, as I did as that small boy who read the CWA anthology, and, and then all of a sudden you find them uh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I'm I'm trying to carry on in that tradition. Really. I think that's great. I think short stories is a great thing. To there's several different things. If you're not into reading novels or you don't have time, read a short story a night. Mm -hmm. It's really easy. Yeah, exactly. It's like what? Absolutely. At the yeah. most, seven pages, yeah. maybe ten. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, exactly. and and it's also fun because. It's all enclosed. I mean, it's like it's it's so tight that uh, the, the, there's such talent to writing a short story. It's a totally different thing from a novel. So I just love them, and um, I love your your I love those. I love your books too. But I, I'm just saying I love the Thank short you. story. You're Thank awesome. you. Thank I actually found one of your short stories in. I think it was an Ellery Queen magazine of my dad's, or it was an Isaac Asimov I've, I've, mystery. I've, I've I've written quite a lot for Ellery Queen over the years, so it might well be. Yeah, I think it was the Ellery Queen one. It, I, I my dad had stacks of this stuff. Um, <laughs> science fiction mysteries, the whole nine yards. And so I I saw this Ellery Queen, and I and I oh oh it's 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 the it's um. It's not the magazine, it's an anthology. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so I started reading, and I saw your name right. in the thing. I went, oh, my God, ah, it's Martin. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and I loved it. And I'm sorry, my poor mind, that's like I can't remember which magazine, I can't remember which story it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really good. Good, thank you. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's I, I discovered that by accident last year when I was going through my dad's stuff. Ah, ah. So yeah, that's cool. Um, did you do other? You did only Ellery Queen, or did you do other magazines? Oh no, I've I've written for um, uh, a whole range of publications. Some some American anthologies, uh, one or two. Uh, or three or four, really, in, in the last year or two. So, so I've written one for an anthology uh, that's uh, uh, called Edgar and Seamus uh, Authors Go Golden, or 
something to that effect, edited by somebody called uh, Andy McAleer. I wrote a story for that. I've I've written um, a couple of stories for anthologies edited by John Pactor. One of them is songs inspired by Paul Simon, uh, and the other one is songs inspired by the Beatles. That just that book came out. Um, Oh, just a couple of weeks ago. That's a book called Happiness is a Warm Gun. And I wrote a story called She's Leaving Home, inspired by the Beatles song uh, with that title. So so I've written uh, uh, quite a few uh, uh, short stories for American anthologies, as well as for American magazines like uh, Ellery Queen and like The Strand magazine. Cool. Um, so what stories do you have coming up? What books? Well, I've um, recently, in, in terms of the United States, I've recently had a, a novel published called uh, 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 The Puzzle of Blackstone Lodge, which is the American edition of a book that in England is called Blackstone Fell, and that's the third in my Golden Age series about Rachel Savonake, so it's set in 1930. And uh, next year... Um, uh, source books, Poison Pen Press, my American publishers will be publishing the next book in that series, which is called The House on Graveyard Lane, which is the American title of a book which in England is called Sepulchre Street. So, so the Rachel Savonek uh, uh, books are my, my most recent, uh, novels in the States, and I'm currently working on on the fifth book in that series, which, uh, I think will be called Hemlock Bay. I think it's always weird to me to have one title of a book in Britain and another title yeah. of a book in the U.S. It just is weird. I mean, when yeah. I'm looking for vintage books, I have to bring my phone and Google to see if, if it's a British title, if I don't know the British title, which book in the American titles is that book so I know what book I'm buying. Well, well, exactly. It is. It is a. It is definitely a complication. But um, but American publishers do sometimes like to have their own titles. I want. Is do you have you ever heard the reason? Um, well, I think that they feel, for instance, that Blackstone fell. Uh, some American readers might not appreciate that a fell is a. Uh, there's a feature of British geography, Sepulchre Street. I, th I think they felt that Sepulchre was a word that American readers might not uh, love. So, um, so I think that was it, really. But, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's their their view on it. It's, 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 it's yeah, I I I think the original titles are great. But, I do um, too. Well, uh, there you go. <laughs> I just it's just like um, a book that I loved uh, was originally called. And it was written by an American author for an American audience, but he used a term from, I think it was from Shakespeare, it's bid time return. And they thought that um, poor us dumb yanks wouldn't understand bid. It, they changed yeah. the name of it to somewhere in time. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it's that sort of... Uh... That sort of thought process, I think, which is, uh, as I say, uh, um, difficult for me to uh, fully identify with. But uh, but there you are. Uh, publishers are there to sell the books, and 
um, hope, hopefully they'll, they'll sell lots of copies of um, uh, The Puzzle of Blackstone Lodge and uh, The House on Graveyard Lane. And if uh, they do, I'll be very happy. I think they will. I think they will. Your books do really well, so why wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, fingers crossed. Do you have any um, events that are coming up? Other? Any events that, you know, like book fairs or signings of your book or anything like that? Well, maybe, uh, maybe. certainly in Britain, in, in Britain I'm going to be um, uh, a guest at a book fair um, uh, very shortly in Harrogate. But, um, but I, I will be going back to the States for the BoucherCon in uh, Nashville next year so i'm i'm looking i've registered for that and I'm, I'm looking forward to returning to the states and visiting nashville cool have you ever been there no 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 first time nashville tennessee uh yeah that's it <laughs> it's it's a pretty area um i hope you like country western music um because <laughs> that's what yeah. it's known for um yeah exactly. exactly so every store every restaurant everywhere you go that's what you're going to hear uh yeah absolutely um i want to thank you for taking time out of your day coming back on my show and chatting with me well, thanks for asking me back, Sherry. It's, uh, it's always great fun to talk to you, and uh, I'm very glad to uh, have had a chance to chat to you once again. Me too. Thank you so much. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thanks, Sherry. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.